Hello, everybody. This will be the third interview for On a Shoestring, and without a doubt, let's jump into it. Um, hello, Virginia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show today. Uh, thank you very much for being here. And um, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? So what kind of a career have you had? Um, and then a little bit about your family and where you're at now. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a big question for me. Um, okay, so I spent 22 years of my life as a lawyer. Um, I became a partner at quite a young age. I think it was about 32. Um, I had a, a little baby at the time and I, ha I was pregnant when I got made partner. So that was interesting to me. Um, so I did that. I I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I was in Scotland at the time and I decided that I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore. Basically one day I used to travel. Um, I, I used to travel between London, Edinburgh and Glasgow on a weekly basis because I was one of the heads of our construction and project finance team. And I'd gotten up really early one morning to go on a flight and basically, I woke up and the next thing I remember, I was doing 147 miles an hour in my Porsche on the way to the airport. And I think I had a bit of a reality check and realised that I needed to change jobs. So I basically said to my husband, find a job, any job, any country, and that will be the perfect excuse for us to move. So he found a job in the Cayman Islands and we moved to Cayman. But he had a really bad job with very little pay. So I ended up going back into law again and I did another seven years in law before I left and I did nothing for a couple of years. And then I decided I was gonna do something. So I started teaching fitness classes and basically fast forward two and a half years and I now have a gym and a very successful online uh, coaching business. I coach nutrition, um, I coach fitness. Um, I also help. I help people set up businesses online now, and turn their businesses. I like to think turn their businesses into six-figure businesses. And I have two podcasts. I have one podcast where I look at um, issues pertinent to women, and I also have a newly launched radio station. So there you go. I also spent eight years in the territorial army, and I'm a mum of three a 19-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 9-year-old. There you go. That's me. All mm. summed up. That is an awesome introduction. And I think that there's a lot of territory to unravel. Um, it's pretty exciting for everybody listening to the audio. Virginia is this really beautiful, strong woman who has a very, I guess, fierce and respectable presence. Um, oh, thank you. And it's pretty exciting to be interviewing uh, a woman who is a senior in, in, in the professional work field, and she'll probably have some great insight for leather shoes and what they can do for young men out in the uh, career, um, there are, I guess the early workforce for the young 20-year-old men to their late 20s. Um, so Virginia, you mentioned um, law and then being in the army. Um, starting there, what importance is um, put into shoes when you're a lawyer and when you're in the army? 
Oh, it's massive in the army. It's absolutely massive because you, um, you, you're always expected to have these nice shiny shoes. So when I joined the Territorial Army, one of the first things that we were required to do was make sure that our kit was in perfect order and also make sure that the shoes were always perfect. So the funny thing was for me that I think that then came across into my own personal life. I've always been a lover of shoes. I love, um, I've always loved quality shoes. I always had a massive shoe collection. But I was always very careful, I think due to my time in the army, to make sure that my shoes were always nicely polished and looked after. So shoes are always important to me. And I'll be perfectly honest and say that whenever I got, um, so I was an officer in the Territorial Army, so it was important to me to it was in order as well. But when I became a lawyer and I was then interviewing new staff, one of the things that I would always check would be shoes because I always thought that it was a really good indicator of, of a person's character as to how they present themselves. It's fine to put on a nice suit, but did you also look after your footwear? So I would, I would always look, I would always look at the shoes as well. Perfect. Um, so this is a, an interesting question that's arisen. What is your thought on somebody who's dressed in an all right fashion for uh, a suit or even just casual wear, but has a high quality pair of shoes that you can see is taken care of versus somebody who's in uh, a nice suit or nice um, clothing, but doesn't have a um, quality pair of shoes? Well, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the, the shoes just need to look it look well looked after. So even with my, my daughters rides horses and my son uh, my son used to ride as well, but I would always encourage them to polish the shoes as well. It you know, it's as well as looking after yourself as a person, it's how you present yourself to the world. Absolutely. Um, Very much presenting it to the world based on what you're wearing. Well, that's really interesting. Um, talking with uh, another friend in a previous interview, um, he was in the Army for six years in the United States, and he gave a little bit of a rundown of the different types of footwear that he had to wear. So he had um, his dress greens or dress blues is what they transitioned into while he was in the Army. Um, and yep. that is your, your formal um, dress shoe. Then he's got the, the everyday uniform where he's in his boots. And then he said that he had a, a PT uniform where he had a pair of sneakers. So what kind of um, dress code and what kind of um, footwear are you wearing for different activities in the military? The same again, same with the women. We had a pair of brogues. So we had a pair for, so our formal dress was a pair of brogues. Um, you would have a, a, a very, very shiny pair of shoes that you needed to you needed to polish up. So you would home because I, I always remember going back and one of the first things that you would do is you would melt the shoe the shoe polish and you would melt the shoe polish and you would put it all over your formal shoes and then you would be spitting onto a cloth to polish those up. 
So I had the formal shoes that you basically wanted to see your face in. And that's what everyone looked for. They always looked for you to be able to see your face in the shoes. And then um, when you were wearing your, your boots, it was the same again. The boots were, you had a toe cap. So you would create this cap at the front of the boots. And it was a well-polished cap at the front. And it was the same again. So I would spend hours with a hot spoon. So I would be sitting with this spoon and I'd maybe get a lighter or put it over the gas cooker so that the spoon was really, really hot. You would put the polish over the front of the boots and then you would take the hot spoon and you would melt the polish into the boots. And then once that was there, you would sit with a cloth. So I would find myself, I would sit with a book. I'm not much of a TV watcher. So I would sit with a book in front of me, just reading the book, turning the pages as I sat there with the cloth, spitting. And that, that's what you had to do. You would spit on the polish and you'd take the cloth and you'd rub the cloth in tiny little circles because you wanted to make sure that it looked like glass. And it really, you, it, it, you were proud of yourself if you could go out there with the best possible polish on your shoes. And for me, and then we did have trainers as well, but I will say that with training shoes, we weren't so, which is funny, my husband said to me that using the word trainers gives away my age. So training shoes, gym shoes, whatever you want to call them. Yep. No one really cared about those. So those would always just be whatever you put on. Um, there wasn't a, a massive amount of concern put in those. But the boots, that on the front of those boots needed to be absolutely perfect. Uh, but it was so therapeutic, So It was so therapeutic to sit there with your favourite book, your cloth, and sit and spit on these boots. And I could easily have done that for an hour. Because I, I wanted to have the shiniest and the best. I'm quite competitive. So I wanted to have the shiniest and the best boots. But no, you're bringing back nice memories now when I think about that. It was, it, those were fun times. I think that polishing shoes is one of the, the greatest experiences. I've got um, a couple of pairs of, I've got a pair of Oxfords. I got a pair of black and then probably oak colored brogues. And then um, I've got a couple of other pairs of boots. Um, everything, I've got a pair of logging boots that I go out and I use when I do forestry with my grandfather when I'm back home. And then I've got a couple of pairs of um, just casual dress boots um, on days where I'm lazier. But um, the the polishing is something that, it, like one, just to know the the personality and the time and the effort and the love that you put into your shoes and that people recognize that because here in Japan, um, it's really rare to see younger guys in, uh, dress shoes where I'm at up in the country. So I live in rural Japan and, um, every time I go out, I know that older guys in their dress shoes are always looking at me trying to figure out what I do for a living. And, um, it, it hasn't just been Japan. I think when you have well taken care of shoes, whether in, in any country that you're in, whether in a rural area or an urban area, people take notice of your shoes and, um, it's really 
hard sometimes to have conversations with younger guys who aren't familiar with dress shoes in the States. A lot of the fashion and style is more streetwear, street casual clothing. And a lot of that is higher priced sneakers. So you've got Nikes or Jordans or other kind of brand label things that uh, stars in the music industry or the acting industry are promoting all of the time. And it's just such a perplexing thing to have the the care and that attention for, for leather shoes. Um, so moving into the next area, what kind of shoes were you wearing when you were a lawyer? I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm a shoe snob. I've always been a shoe snob. So it would always have been a quality shoe. I will admit that I'm a big lover of boots, but it would always have been. So I, I'm not the kind of woman who will go out there and buy all of these silly fancy shoes because I do like comfortable shoes, but I do like nice quality shoes that, that make, you, make your legs look good. So I would always be buying um, a quality court shoe that would be flattering, but it was a leather shoe. And again, I was always polishing the shoes. So my shoes were always in very, very good condition. And the funny thing is I very much judged the men. So when I was younger and I was dating, um, I would look at shoes. I would definitely look at shoes. So you could have a nice looking man standing in front of you, but if he had a really nice pair of shoes or a not a well a well shoes, that would have changed my mind. And it was as simple as that. It really was as simple as that. If I was looking at someone in jeans and a, a not very nice pair of trainers and they were coming out for a night out or a pair of sloppy shoes or shoes that weren't polished, that was enough just to to turn me away in another direction. So it's funny how like maybe maybe like me being in the army and so forth, it's funny how that then had an impact on how I would assess men. And I ended up marrying um I ended up marrying an army officer. So I did end up marrying someone who was wearing my shoes, <laughs> which is funny. So I kind of went away from your question of asking me what kind of shoes I wore as a lawyer. I was a shoe snob, okay? They, all right. They were always they were always quality shoes. They were always expensive shoes, and they were always the kind of shoes that would last me for a little while. So I wouldn't go out and buy a pair of cheap fashion shoes and wear them for a couple of months. I would go out and buy um, Kurt Geiger, or at the time, what else did I buy? I tended to buy quite a lot of Prada as well, but it was the nice black had a court shoes or Bally, which is another British, a British make. So yeah. it was mostly that, Kurt Geiger, Bally, Prada. Um, what else, what other ones would I have worn? Um, mostly those, to be honest, mostly, mostly those makes. And it was always a fairly plain shoe. So this still, um paints a huge picture um, just as somebody who wears leather shoes. Um, so of all of the shoes that you had as a lawyer and in the army, what is the longest life that you've had of shoes? 
I've had a pair of shoes for four years uh, that I've resold once and it's only because I've been wearing leather shoes for four years. A $1,700 pair of handmade cowboy boots that I bought 14 years ago that I still wear to this day. Alrighty. This is really exciting to jump into for a lot of reasons. The impression that men leave is really interesting because one of my friends was saying that a good pair of shoes is the first impression you leave on a, a father when a, a girl brings you home. And whether or not you take your shoes off in the States or you keep them on in the house, um, you are being examined by a father, by a mother, and it's not just uh, an individual that you date. And I really love that aspect of shoes and, and being aware of everyday things and the attention that people give to it, no matter how commonplace it becomes. And it's really exciting to hear from a woman that shoes do matter. And that can really change the, the feeling that, that women get when they're looking at handsome men or unhandsome men, what, whatever it may be. But, um, the... Well, you would have been, I would have struck you off when I was younger. You could have been the best looking man, but I would have, I, I, I know it, maybe it's bad, but I would have judged you on, or I would have judged you on your shoes because it would have given me an indication of the kind of person that you were. Were you a caring individual? Were you somebody who gave it them? And you can tell a lot just by, just by looking at the shoes. And then when, when I go on and look at my time as a lawyer, you could very much judge the quality of who was in front of you based on the way that they dressed and the shoes that they wore. Were they wearing cheap, nasty shoes? Um, were the shoes in bad condition and poorly looked after? But if you saw a man who was there in a smart pair of shoes, and not necessarily like a brand spanking new pair of shoes, because you can tell that as well, but where you're looking at a nicely polished, well cared for pair of quality shoes, and you usually were then dealing with a quality lawyer. So you could tell so much. I don't know whether I would have known all of this had I not spent the time in the army. Because again, you saw... When you had the, the, the men in the army who were going up the ranks quickly, who were good at their jobs, who were the authoritative men, they tended to be the men who looked the best. And I don't mean physically from, an, from a physical facial perspective, but more from how did they stand? Were they standing shoulders back? Were they standing proud? You would seldomly get a man standing tall and proud with a really badly looked after pair of shoes and even now when you see my husband he stands he's he's very tall he's very upright and his shoes are always in good condition yep well i'm really excited to hear some of this because my brothers i have two brothers now one is in the army and one of them is in the marines and my brother in the army, he was 19 years old and they made him one of the battalion leaders for 
about a six month period. And he was looking after guys into their mid thirties. And he said, one of the most stressful things was how prepared men were. And that in, in a chain of command, if you have poorly dressed or poorly prepared men in their thirties who can't look after themselves and you're 19 looking after a hundred guys, all of that comes back to you as a leader as well, because it's an indicator of the culture and the preparation that you have as a leader. And that is something that really has come with time. I I never realized how important a a leader was being judged when they moved into a higher um, role and responsibility. And like, I, I know leather shoes can definitely help. And I know that they can definitely look terrible. I mean, I've seen good leather shoes. I've seen mm-hmm. very uh, poorly taken care of leather shoes. Um, with the dating scene, so I'm really curious about this. The How would you say men typically dressed um, when, when you're in the dating scene and then what kind of changes have you seen with, uh, shoe care and, and footwear, uh, as a mother with some of your older children? I think my, oh, well, my, the children are very different. So my, if you look at my son, my son is very, my son's been quite well put together. So he's a law student. He studies law. Uh, and he he definitely does look after himself and he's he's had that from both myself and my husband so he's watched both of us in our professions looking after ourselves and wearing when wearing quality shoes and polishing the shoes because my husband's another stickler for that as well you go into his sock drawer for example and it's quite amusing because the socks are all lined up they're all in order all the colored ones all the white ones and not the white ones the sports ones and all the black black ones but they're all like neatly in the drawer which I think is going back to his military days as well so my son is my son's always very well put together and I'm sure that he has learned that from just watching both of us um my daughter on the other hand is my, my middle daughter is very very different so she's she's not like that at all um, she goes out. I have to. I have to forcibly get her to polish her horse riding boots. But I say that. But I am one hundred percent confident that she will judge the boys and the men based on how they dress, just because of her father. Okay. She'll be used to seeing her father and her father will have set a standard and an expectation in her mind. So even although she's pushing the boundaries in her own right, I know, and, I, and, it, and it's so obvious as well from just things she tells me and boys that she might be interested in. It's, so, um, it's just so obvious that both myself and my husband have put this into her mind. So I think like for for men out there for boys out there who are looking to impress women you really need to sort your shoes out because it really is pretty major we are looking 
you might think the sharp suit does it, but at the end of the day, it's not just the sharp suit and it's not just what you look like. If you're going to look after your shoes, you're going to look after the rest of you as well. You're unlikely to be unkempt otherwise. But we are judging. We, we are, women are, we are judging you on that. So they need to learn that, that a woman will judge you on, on what you're wearing and she will judge you on your shoes as well. That's uh, pretty alarming stuff to hear uh, as a young guy. <laughs> Every day I'm wearing uh, leather shoes when I go to work and I've got a, um, I wear a suit and a tie and I've got a button up shirt and a pair of cufflinks that I always go to work in when I'm teaching English, but um, been really fortunate to get me some hand-me-downs and some used t-shirts and some used sweatpants when I'm, I'm at home, but I very seldom go out unless it's after 10 p.m. without wearing a a pair of dress pants and some formal shoes. So I, I don't think the public presentation is a concern, but definitely some of the, the leisure at home time is not, not nearly as rigorous. Um, so hearing the, the background of your children, do you think that younger um, adults, uh, young adult males are well presented in the workforce and do you think that they present their um the integrity of their their full dress attire with their shoes or is that something that seems to um not exist i think the way young men dress nowadays is quite awful it's really quite awful um i see lots of Lots of young men going into law firms and accountancy firms and so forth. And they're wearing trousers that are slightly too short because I think that's the fashion at the moment. The, sh the trousers are slightly too short. I can see the socks. And then the shoes are... Yeah, the shoes are just the shoes. That's uh, kind that's of horrifying. It, it really, they really, it, it, in the words of Shania Twain, it, it don't impress me much. Um, and I always say, and this, this, is, this is something that, I, again, the guys need to be wary of. The, the main role model in any young woman's life is her mother. She's the main role model. She's the person that those young girls are going to learn from. Those young girls, if they're if they're serious about a boy, they're going to bring them home to mum. If mum sees this young man being presented to her with half-mast trousers and socks sticking out and shoes that are not good, mum's going to say something. And what mum says will have a pretty fundamental effect on that young girl's um, intentions and towards that boy. And I know this because I remember it from my own life. My mum was absolutely shocking. Um, she, if I brought any boys home, I always remember bringing one boy home and he was a really, he was really nice. He was really, really nice. Um, and she just wasn't a hundred percent on him. She wasn't a hundred percent on the way he dressed. And I'm sure the shoes probably came into that as well. But she always, she turned around to him and she said to him, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a town planner. So my mum immediately said to him, oh, you're a town planner. Does that mean that you didn't have enough qualifications to be an architect? So, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, that's just the worst thing that you could have said. But she put that seed of doubt in my mind. 
So I think it's really, really important for boys to remember the fact that when they go home, yes, the girl might be there, but mum is watching you. So be really, really careful with how you present yourself, what you're wearing and what is on your feet because mum will judge and that mum will have such a major impact on that girl's life. It's really funny to hear a lot of this because I grew up in a single parent household and my mother raised five kids and she's always been a very stern judge of the character of even the women that I've dated and the women I've brought home. I can imagine she is. So it, it's interesting to hear all of that and think about it because I've, my grandparents have met some of the girls that I've brought home and my grandfathers are just, they're, they're kind of very easygoing. They say, well, yeah, you know, she's cute. seems like she's got a good heart and a good mind. Like, eh. And then my mother's very prim and proper in uh, formal dates and whatnot, but she, she always has opinions when the girls aren't around. And I've maybe in five years, I've only ever spent time with one girl that my mother has said actually has potential and she hasn't had <laughs> criticism. So it's been We're so bad. So we are so bad. Honestly, we are so bad. I'm in a lot of ways. Where, where I'm at now with the professional life and living abroad, I think that mothers are, are great judges of character uh, for, for their, their sons or their daughters. And I think yeah. that mothers aren't being mean. I think that they're just, they're, they're being realistic with the potential that they see in their children. And it's hilarious to think about because it doesn't matter if you're wealthy. It doesn't matter if you're poor, like a mother who works hard and has sacrificed to take care of children and raise a family knows what kind of people are going to be good for her children. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, the money thing doesn't, the money thing's just not important. The money thing is not important. It's the character of the individual in front of you. That is, that is paramount. And I know for me that it always, that is, that, that is the only thing that I'm going to look at. And I, I'm, I, I will be hard to please. So I, I do, I feel very sorry for my children because I will, I'll be assessing it all. But I know that my mum did that as well. My mum passed away when I was quite young, but she had the opportunity to meet my, my husband now. Um, and I, I, she did, um, she gave me the approval there. But she didn't. <laughs> she she was awful with the other boyfriends that I brought home. She was awful. And she only had to say the tiniest little thing. And it usually was something to do with the way that they dressed. Which yeah. is bizarre thinking about, thinking back to it. It was a lot to do with how they dressed and how they presented themselves. But she always managed to say the right thing. Right. To, to, to then, like, have my own views jaded in one way or another that's something that makes me laugh to this day of everybody i've ever met out in the in the world it's it's only my mother who can say anything and whatever emotional response she wants she gets 
everybody else is kind of like, no, I've got a tough skin. I'm, I'm judging your character. You know, let's, let's push and, you know, let's, let's, let's shove and see, let's see who, what kind of character you really have. But like my mother, I mean, something in, in 30 seconds will just be like, okay, mom, yep, you're correct. <laughs> you're so teacher. Um, but we just love, we love our children and we want the very best for our children. And we know all the things to look at when we're, when, when we're helping them make those decisions. Yep. Well, so your mom's looking after you. I promise she's looking after you. Well, I believe that more as I get older, but you know, as, as a young guy, unexperienced in the world and what dating is like, it, it certainly didn't feel that way. <laughs> but, but, I, but always ask yourself, look back at it and think, did she say the right thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, we do. It's not, we're not being malicious about it. We just, we know our children really, really well. Um, and we know whether the person in front of us is the right person or not. And it's never, it's never money. It isn't money. It is character. But the character can be assessed very much by how the person presents themselves to us as well. Like, do they, do they come to us and do they look like they give a damn? If they look like they give a damn and they look like they've made a, an attempt to impress us, then good. If they just turn up and think, well, you know, I don't really care. I'm just going to go and be myself. It's like, that might be a big mistake. Because right. is, are you being yourself or are you actually pushing the boundaries here? Right. Um, so what kind of experience did you have when you were growing up from your grandparents? Because my grandparents always pushed uh, the, the differences in dress clothing, street clothing, and work clothing. And I never really understood the difference between street clothing and, and work clothing. And my, I, I remember getting a really, really stern uh, afternoon. I was going out with my grandmother and she made me go put on some khakis and put on a pair of loafers and put on a button up shirt before we went out. And she said, street clothing is still a pair of khakis. It's still a pair of dress shoes. It's still uh, a, an important shirt. It's work clothing where you're wearing blue jeans and sneakers or work boots. And you, you don't go out in public like that. And um, I still remember that. And I think as I get older, I, I think back to a lot of those lessons that they taught me that weren't necessarily presented uh, with my mother. Uh, my mother, she always dressed professionally. She always had good shoes, but she was always running. I mean, she was in a car for 90 minutes a day, back and forth, getting kids to daycare or school, going to work. And um, at the end of the day, she was just always exhausted and there was not necessarily that, that input of how important your presentation was to the, to the outside world. So what kind of experience do you have with your grandparents? That's an interesting question to ask. Cause you said you, uh, I was thinking whilst you were talking to me there just now, I lost um, three of my four grandparents before I was six, but I was left with one grandma um, she taught me modesty so I like you see lots if you look back at I, I'm from the UK I'm from Scotland but if you look back at the like the British media for example 
and you look at the um, you look at the Daily Mail, which is a, a, a like a, a British rag. You'll see that there are lots of pictures at the moment of the Christmas festivities and young girls and young men going out, and the girls are very scantily clad. So it's the middle of winter, and they're out with dresses that are really, really short and high heels and nothing covering their legs. I never ever did that because my gran brought me up to be very modest. So she she taught me that you don't need to underdress to be attractive and to attract men. So I was always the modestly dressed girl. It never it never affected my ability to to attract like the attractive men. But I was never I was never that scantily clad girl. I've never felt that I had to underdress to when I was going out. But and I'd never really thought about this before, but that came from that's that's very interesting. That came from my gran. Because if I ever wore anything that she thought wasn't appropriate, she would tell me. Yep. And that's something that we instill into our um, I have two daughters, a nine-year-old and a 15. And I know that my husband's exactly the same. We both instill that sense of modesty into both of our girls. Because I think I think it's important. And I, I, am, I am a real stickler for that. I want my girls to present themselves in a modest way and respect their bodies and respect the way that they dress. And I would never want to think that men find them attractive because they're scantily clad. I definitely agree with a lot of that sentiment. Um, As I get older, I think that a woman who presents herself well and is, is confident um, with, with being well-dressed is it, and, and, and being confident in character as well is, is an absolutely beautiful, and attractive set of characteristics to, to just learn about a a, a girl because just being at university and watching a lot of the, the, the party culture and the fraternity culture that was prominent where I was going to school was never really um, a set of priorities and and a lifestyle that I wanted to to carry into uh, present day. And just looking at a lot of the students that I went to school with, a lot of them are back home in their local communities. And I I don't necessarily know if they're there with a a, a sense of of, of self-confidence because I think Mm -hmm. home communities are a wonderful place. And I think there's a lot of rich value in the rural communities that I grew up in, but there, I think there's a lot of, I, I don't unconfidence with the way that people dress and present themselves. And it's, it's not just women. I think men are also the same way. Cause I've been talking to some of my friends as they've gotten older and they've started to realize how attractive a, a confident woman who, who is modest is relative to a, a more wild young lady. So um, that's a really interesting point to bring up. And yeah, it's- realize it myself actually until you brought that up and you said about my grandparents and I immediately thought back to my grandmother constantly bringing up the subject of modesty 
but you're right on the confidence front because whenever I was going out, I could be going out to a club and there would be a girl with a really short dress and, and high heels and tons of makeup and whatever else. And I wasn't like that. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, I would have been I mean, not, like, not, not looking like a nun, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been so scantily dressed. I certainly didn't wear heavy makeup. I never have done. So you do have to become more confident because you're, you're not out on show. It, what people, people have to see a lot more of your personality. And I think that, that probably meant I, I've never really had any insecurities I've never felt as if I was out to prove myself or prove a point or putting myself out there by the way that I dressed. So it probably has resulted in me being a more confident individual. Oh, you, you've got me laughing now. I'm, I, I don't know why, but I, I started thinking about a um, interview that I did while I was back at undergrad. Um, I... <laughs> I, I don't know why why it came to this, but I, I remember wearing a polo shirt, a uh, dark navy pair of jeans because I didn't have any dress pants at the time. And I had a pair of leather boots and I, I went into an interview and we we got feedback after the interview and there were three ladies and there was one guy there. And I think I, I got three really negative interviews and I got like feedback and I got like one that was like, it was okay. It was okay. Um, and I, I'm just thinking now in terms of confidence, like interviews or anything like that, I, I think after that, like one experience of getting feedback and realizing how important a suit was and how important your shoes were, um, I've never really been, I've, I've never lacked confidence with clothing and, and physical presentation. I've always been more worried about what people are capable of doing. And it's, it's a really interesting place to be when you get confident with your clothing and you're comfortable with your clothing and how you present yourself. But I'm always very worried about going in and doing an interview with people. Um, and then also just people that you want to share ideals with that you're meeting because like, the, the, the life experience that people bring is, is also just as important, but I think that you gather together based on how you dress. And I, like, I, I'm still learning what to do with that as a young male. So would you have any advice for other young men once they get their, their clothing figured out, where, where do you develop your confidence when you're going out and, and making friends and trying to, to find communities to, to grow with and be a part of? Absolutely, by being yourself. Absolutely. You you absolutely must always be yourself. Not try to sell yourself in a way that you think other people want to receive you. But just to be to be your own true authentic self. Because the minute you step away from that and you pretend to be something that you're not you're not yourself anymore and you're trying to turn yourself into something that other people will accept. So something that a workplace will accept. 
or something that a woman will accept. And the minute that you do that, there isn't a meeting of the minds anymore because that person expects something. And what they're expecting is not you, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, I mean, you're, you're talking here to somebody. I live my life on the basis that I don't care. Now, I don't mean I don't care, but I'm, I'm never out to impress anyone else. I would much rather be myself. And you either like me or you don't like me. And if you don't like me, I don't care. And if you right. do like me, good. But I'm not going to turn myself into something that I'm not to impress you. If you're pretending, it will always come across in an interview. It always comes across because you can, you can sense whether someone's being themselves. They're much more relaxed when they are their own self. So I think that that's the biggest piece of advice I would ever give a young person. And it's the advice I've given to my children. Look people in the eye. If you're looking in, the, look them in the eye, you cannot be anything other than sincere. Because if you're lying, your eye move, you're, you're going to look away. You're not going to be able to look at them with sincerity. So always look people in the eye. Always give them a firm handshake. Always make sure that when you're speaking to them, the shoulders are back and you're standing upright and address them. Always address them and address them in a, in a confident manner, being yourself. And they'll either like you or they won't like you. You'll know whether they don't like you. And if they do like you, then you're sorted. That sounds very old-fashioned. No, no knocking there. Like, this is advice that my grandfather gave me and, <laughs> that, my grand, you know, that my grandmother and my mother have emphasized. And it's... It's interesting to hear those words because my mother has started to, to talk and, and express a lot of her feelings and her understanding in, in, in the same way that you, you have to be yourself. You have to be present. You have to acknowledge those people in front of you and either there will be agreement or there won't be agreement. And mm. with that, you take it with a grain of salt and, and you take the good and then you, you continue to move on. But I think that that would be a very old-fashioned sentiment relative to a lot of the, the younger uh, men and women that I spend time with today. Um, but uh, I, I think that a lot of good questions have been answered, and it's really great to address the, the clothing and then the, the family lifestyle around Mother's Shoes. And... For all the guys out there, you, you heard it from, from a mother who is a judge of character for the women that you're dating. And if, you know, if you're a father, you, you know the standards to have. Have a good suit and a good pair of shoes, and that will leave a good impression. And always be yourself. So I want to say thank you for all of that, Virginia. And is there anything else that you'd like to leave off with? No, just um, you keep encouraging people to, to dress well, to present themselves well, to be really super careful about those shoes because as women, we're definitely looking. You might think that we're looking just at the face and, the, and whatever your products you put through your hair, but 
you know, we might look at you in the face, but the next thing that we're doing is we're looking at what you've got on your feet. And if it's not good, you're going to feel it the first hurdle. It doesn't matter how nice you are. You're going to fail at the first hurdle. And always make sure that you hold your cutlery properly because that's another one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that's a whole different discussion. Cutlery in America is not something that is uh, – it, it doesn't feel like it's a normal custom. Like my younger sister, she's – I want to say she's 14 now. She'll be 15 in January. and. Every time I come home and she sets the table, she, she, she doesn't care. She just like throws the plates on the table and, you know, throws the dishes or the, throws the silverware on the, on the plate. And I'm just like, no, Julian, there's, there's a way to do this. Your forks go here, your spoons and your knives go here, your cups go here. This is where your napkins go. This is how it works. And it's always, well, why do you do this? It, Julian, if guests come over, you're being judged by how you set a table. You're also being judged by how you use silverware when you go over to other people's houses. You need to be aware of that. And when you're in public, it's even worse. So cutlery is a whole different conversation. But I think people who take care of leather shoes should, should understand cutlery. They should understand cutlery without any question of a doubt. They should know where the fork goes, where the knife goes, and that you do not, under any circumstances, use your fork like it's a shovel. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so thank you for that um and i appreciate the interview and i look forward to keeping in contact with you afterwards you are very welcome i've enjoyed this it's fun and you made me think about my grandmother as well which was very nice i didn't realize just how much of an impact she had had on the way that i dress so thank you for that um that memory as well it's been a pleasure to be on thank you for having me all righty bye bye-bye